All right. It'd be like going out to eat, like going to Chili's. Yeah, like getting an appetizer before you get that main dish. <laughs> the brawny man is here to serve. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this beautiful, beautiful church. Uh, not beautiful because any man has made it so, but because your spirit is active here. People are obedient here. And Lord, we want, Lord, that to continue. And we need you for that to happen. Lord, we're so thankful for these nights that we're able to come together. These mornings, we're able to come together and send her to teaching. But Lord, uh, we're always in need of continual reminding and continual uh, refreshing of your word and your grace. So Lord, I pray that this conference will be a blessing to you. I pray that what I have to teach, Lord, would be a true representation of, of your word. And Lord, that uh, we would not only be hearers, but doers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My voice is a little deeper. I've contracted something from St. George through Killian, I'm pretty sure. We're going to be considering a, a topic that really came to my mind um, when I was asked to come and, and preach, and, uh, and that is this. It's, it's, a, it's sort of, I'm going to introduce it with a concept that sometimes we don't think about a lot. We don't, uh, maybe because we don't like to. But I, I want, after tonight, I want us to start looking forward to it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to be doing a lot of flipping through here. I hope you're ready. Stretch your fingers. No, it won't be that bad. Don't worry, it takes me sometimes really long to find these passages that I've looked at a thousand times. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 10, for me, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Paul says in Romans 14, verse 12, so let, uh, so let, I'm sorry, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Right after, <clears throat> sorry, after he quotes Isaiah to say, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, every one of us. Now, if you've put your faith in Christ for the justification of your sins, then you are saved. And you're going to go to be with God. You're on your way to him. But there will be a judgment. And we don't get to bypass the judgment room, you know. I think that'd be, when I think about it, I think it'd be kind of nice if you just kind of, that was an optional thing, you know. Just kind of, well, there's the little rope off. Like, is it okay if I just go to heaven? I don't want to have to worry about standing in front of Jesus so he can lay out my life and show me all that I've done, good and bad, as a believer. What I have done with what he's entrusted with me. It can be scary. But in 1 John, and we're going to be spending a lot of time there, John the Apostle doesn't have much, to, much more life to live 
And he writes this really encouraging letter. This is a, this is a book that uh, Pastor Paul often will have new believers read because it's just black and white. It's like the nuts and bolts, right? If we look over at chapter 2, Verse 28, he says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. How do you want to be when you see Jesus for the first time? I, want to, I don't want to shrink away. I want to have confidence. Now, this concept of abiding in him Abiding in Jesus, abiding in Jesus Christ. This, this, this wording that John uses, it's not the first time that it's been used. John learned this from the master. In John chapter 15, you can flip over there. We're going to be here. Keep your finger in 1 John, though. We'll be back. First, in John chapter 15, I'll set the scene for you. Jesus has just had the last supper with the disciples. And he says in the last verse of chapter 14, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. And he says, rise, let us go from here. So they rise, they start going away, and they start walking down toward the Kidron Valley. And they'll cross the Kidron Valley and go up in the Mount of Olives. But as they're coming down on the south side of the temple, I, Dr. Bookman taught us this. This was so neat. You would be able to look and see the temple. And over the archway, Josephus writes that there was a golden, a golden vine with grapes clusters that were as tall as a man that were hanging over the entrance of the, of the door of the temple. And you would have been able to see that as you walked down. And so Jesus looks to that vine with the grapes, and he says... I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and, and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. To abide in Christ, to be connected into the vine of Christ. Jesus is giving us this physical example. He's giving them a visual aid as they're walking by to show the necessity of it. And remember, Jesus is, is about to go into the garden. He's about to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. He's showing the importance of abiding in him. And we see that abiding in Christ is not nearly being affiliated with Christ. For many may attach themselves to the vine, 
many people don't mind acknowledging, at least, that Jesus died for the sins. Okay, what's the harm in that, right? Not only are you attached to the vine, but if you abide in Christ and he abides in you, then you will bear fruit. And the way that you know that Jesus is abiding in you is because as you abide in him, verse 7, it says, my word abides in you. God's word. How do you abide in Christ? First, you must know his word. Faith, by the way, comes uh, by hearing. And hearing, right, by the word of Christ. We know that the word of God is necessary for salvation. But not only do we know enough Bible to be saved, but we need to know enough Bible to grow into Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm sure you've read this before, but having that in mind, in verse 8, Paul says, Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave apostles, I'm sorry, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we, we are to grow up in every way into him See that? Into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In love. So not only does abiding in Christ, when you're abiding in Christ, you're receiving the word of God. You know the word of God. But what that will do, when you know the word of God, when the Holy Spirit is active within you, what does it grow into? It grows into a unified body, unified in love. Very quickly, Colossians 3.14. Well, I'll start in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Verse 14. And above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. Let's go back to John. So we must know God's word. He says in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified. Remember when Johnny said that last night? Our goal is to glorify 
God. By this, my Father is glorified, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. A lot of people can claim to be Christians. But if you're not bearing fruit, you're not proving to be one. And in the church, that's really all we have to go on. So if you're continuing to live in sin and you're confused as to why all these people don't believe you're Christians, they keep giving the gospel to you, that's why. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I love you, loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to you, why? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Isn't that wonderful? That as we walk in the obedience of God, as we know his word, as his spirit unifies us to walk in love with one another, the effect is that our joy is full. Our joy is full. We are, we are in the vine because that's where life is. We don't want it in Laramie Valley Chapel, Red Mesa Fellowship at Cologne, IBC Cologne, in Paoli, in Thermopolis. We don't, want, we don't want any of the people that are in our body to stand before Jesus Christ on Judgment Day and have nothing to offer him. No fruit to offer the Father. No fruit. Now, if you're a believer, you will bear some fruit. But all believers will stand before the King. And I'd hate to see that any of us wasted our lives seeking life anywhere but in Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, our well-being, meaning that when we really feel like we're fulfilling our life, we're we're doing things in life that are going to bring us happiness. Jesus said, happy are the poor in spirit, right? Jesus came. Did you know that Jesus came so that you would be happy? That you would find perfect, peaceful, unalterable happiness in him? Here? And yet as Christians, don't we get so distracted by other things that, we, that the world tells us are going to make us happy? that better job, that better promotion, more respect, that family, that wife, that husband, whatever it is, don't waste it. Abide in Christ instead. That's where life is found. And as a Christian, surely we want, we want to live righteously. And whenever I think about standing before the Lord, I think, well, what am I not doing? I should be doing what I'm not doing. And I forget that I'm skipping something. I'm skipping my first love. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that. This is my commandment, verse 12. He said, he said if you love me, obey my commandments. And here's the commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. 
Back in 1 John, he would say earlier in 1 John, in chapter 2, in verse 6, he says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What did Jesus give his disciples? He gave them God's word. And he said in the Great Commission, go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the responsibility of the church is that we nourish one another, that we teach one another God's word. That's a system of discipleship. That's what we promote, not that only the pastors would be teaching the word, but that the whole body of Christ would be knit together and attached to Jesus Christ into him so that we may grow together in love. Again, I want to emphasize this. If you read 1 John, there's one thing. If you're going to get one thing out of 1 John, one thing you cannot, you cannot ignore, you can't miss, is John's emphasis on this idea that if you don't love your brother in Christ, You're not born of God. That is the mark of a true believer. That we we love one another. That we encourage one and we exhort one another in the word of God. That we have compassion for one another. We have patience for one another. Did you know that if every one of us actually abided in Christ, we enjoyed our Jesus the way that we're supposed to. We took knowing God's word Seriously, like it was life itself. We wouldn't have problems in the church. Do you know that? We wouldn't. You just wouldn't. You'd, you'd never have an anger problem with somebody else. You would be so in reverent fear and love of Jesus Christ, so in love with the God who created you, and even though Adam, our father, blew it, he came and he fixed it. He did that for you. He did that for me. He poured out his life. He came and lived among us. He suffered with us as a servant. The highest of the high came and served us all. If you have a love for him, then surely we would want to obey his commandments. That's why he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. In chapter 4 is 1 John. He says, beloved, Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That's the mark of a believer. Jesus said, you will, the world will know you're my disciples, in John 13, by your love for one another. In fact, when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, you remember what he said, to love your Lord, your God. And what else? What was the second to love your neighbor as yourself. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love 
one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's perfected in us. Earlier he says, see what, in chapter three, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know when he appears, we will be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. How are we doing in this? If we're abiding in Christ, if we're abiding in his word, if his word abides in us, it's, it's made a home in us. The fruit will be that we love the brethren. Do you love the church? Dr. Barak asked a really convicting question last night. He said, does anybody in this church know who you are? Do you know anyone here? I know I'm talking to people who are coming to a Bible conference at night. Most times, people taking time out of their day to come to something like this. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. Yeah. But I will say this. This is why it's so hard for pastors when there's contention in the church. When you have someone who knows Christ, who's very eloquent in explaining the gospel, and, and one side of their mouth, and the other side of the mouth, they're bad-mouthing their brother in Christ or their sister in Christ. If you're doing that, you're walking in darkness. You're deceiving yourself. And you're not abiding in Christ, not as you should. Verse 13 of chapter 4, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Why? Because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That's salvation, right? When you confess that, no one can confess that, agree with that, and not abide in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. There it is again. Because he, um, I'm sorry, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Not only do we love the brethren, but we love the lost. We don't love the world or the things in the world, as it says earlier in 1 John. But in this world, we have a love, as God has a love, for the lost. Why? Because God is the greatest missionary that ever lived. And if he abides in you, what is he making you? A reacher, a lover of people. I have learned in St. George so far, I've only been there for five months. I don't have a lot to teach in accordance to that. But one thing I have um, observed is just how necessary it is, if you're going to be a church planner, to love people. It really is. It really is. 
If you can't love people because you're driven, you're abiding in Christ, you're missing it. If you're not loving your coworkers, loving them enough to give them the truth, loving them more than you love yourself so that you don't care what the response is, well, you're not abiding in Christ. You see, the answer is abiding in Christ. It's not working harder. It's simple. And so we have no excuse to say, well, I'm not very eloquent. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God uses the foolish things of this world. God uses the weak things of this world. It's not because you're foolish. It's not because you're weak. It's just because you're disobedient that you don't abide in Christ. God loves to make much of someone who is little because that makes much of him. We have to remember that. We have to remember that in this world, we have to love people. There, um, there's no fear, verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If we're worried about the judgment of Christ, don't you love him? Does he love you? Does his word abide in you? What do you have to worry about? The person that has fear of, of judgment and punishment is someone who doesn't really understand what Christ has done. We don't have to fear that day. We can have confidence. I don't want you to just not have fear. I want you to be confident to boldly stand before the Lord. To happily admit that those areas in your life where you have fallen short have been, oh Lord, you remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was when I definitely wasn't abiding in you. That was when I was trusting in my own flesh. I wasn't trusting in your grace. But Lord, look what you've done here. God points those things out. This is where I worked in you here. This is where you were available for me here. Does a branch have any power to produce fruit within itself? No. No. It flows out naturally. And it comes out in plenty for those who are attached to the vine. If you're a believer, I want to encourage you that this is simple. We talk about the mission of the church, the plan, the mission of the church going forward, our mission at Laramie Valley Chapel, our mission at Red Mesa Fellowship. We can't take one step forward on a mission corporately if the church hasn't taken seriously abiding in Christ. That's the first step to abide in him, for we could do nothing without him. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has not seen, or, um, or for he who has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Without unity and love, the church is unhealthy. It can't fulfill its mission. We all need to be in prayer that the church remains in unity, that we continue to abide in love because if we're not in love, we're not abiding in Christ. If you do not love the body, 
It is only because you don't abide in God. There's a few things I wanted to share. I should have shared them first. I kind of forgot uh, about uh, Red Mesa Fellowship. Um, things are going amazing. I, I, did, I gave an update. This won't take long. I gave an update uh, a month ago. But even since then, we've had wonderful things happen. We've got a place to meet now. We're meeting in the Falls Events Center. First Sunday is next Sunday. We're going to be meeting there. We've got a place. We're not a homeless church anymore, which is nice. We've, uh, there's one family that we've had over for our house for dinner, and they've started coming on Sundays. Um, we've got two single guys that have started coming. They're Christians, but they've, they're really excited. They like to hear the word, so they're, they're there. God's word is having an effect. Sometimes it's positive, and sometimes it's negative. But the gospel always works. Always works. I've got a, um, I've got a, a bishop pray for him. His name's Ike. He's come to me twice into my barber shop, not for a haircut, but to sit with me. And we just, we just talk about Christ. We talk about uh, the contrast between the God of the Bible and the God of the, the Book of Mormon. And, and not even an argument for him. I'm just showing him the value and the great uh, power and wonder of our God. And he doesn't even argue with me. He just sits and listens to it. That's wonderful, isn't it? I had a guy throw a chair at me the other day. That was also wonderful. So God's word is having an effect. It's because, it's because of this church's prayers that that is happening. And I'm so, so happy to have been brought up here. This church loves one another. These guys that are teaching, these are like big brothers to me. And that's the way it's been. In our house, the church has always been our family. And that's what Dr. Barrick also said. And right on the money with that one. This is your family. If you abide in Christ, this is the most important family you have. So let's abide in Christ. And let's experience the power of grace that comes as a result. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, a time in your word. Uh, Lord, I, I feel like I bit off more than I can chew tonight. Uh, but Lord, the wonderful thing about it is your word is I've, I could have just read it and that would have been enough. <laughs> thank you, God, for your spirit who you have sent to minister to our hearts, to teach us, to guide us, to anoint us so that we continue to grow in you. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would continue to grow up the little lambs of this church Lord, that, uh, that the shepherds would continue to be faithful, to see to it that they continue to consume the word so they may grow up in love and unity so that the church becomes bigger and stronger by your grace and your power. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. By the way, we have a podcast. If anybody wants to be entertained, uh, you ladies can be sort of Oh, never mind. I was going to say something about Mike Shirley being single, but I'm not very smooth, I guess. But Mike Shirley really is the main talker on that. I'm just there for color commentary. Uh, but that's called, uh, that, that, that podcast is podcast.gracetowalk.org. We have a website now. We're very proud of it. We got it up literally in the nick of time right before I could say this.
redmesafellowship.org uh, Red or gracetowalk.org, I believe. Um, but hey, I'd love to revisit with you guys. If I've never met you, I'd love to meet you. And um, thank you.